The opinions and views made on this podcast are solely those of the individual and not those of the broadcaster, host, recording studio, or sponsors and are expressively disavowed. Editing of any and all content is the expressed right of the host and recording studio. Hey, all you titty tits out there. It's that time. What time is it? It's time for the Tit for Tat Show. I think I'm all confused because um, our wonderful street producer, Kenny's back. I'm back. Yay. Fucker. Fucker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, just Miss Veranda Lenar. Yeah. Yay. And I have my wonderful co-host sitting next to me, Mr. Thomas. Yeah. You're you're so all revved up. I am mm-hmm. revved up. I am ready. This mm-hmm. is a good show. Mm-hmm. Oh, why is this such a good show, though? Because of our amazing special. Guest. I know. So the the <laughs> the running gag is gonna end up going away after this episode. But it really isn't a gag. It hasn't been a gag for it's, you. It's a gag. It's well. Listen, Veranda, wow. get this all out of your system before we have our New York Times bestselling. Hey, Kenny, author. pass me pass me an alcoholic beverage. Well, twist the tea coming your way. <laughs> That's gonna. We're gonna make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have a choice at this but, point. But seriously, how yes. amazing is this show? I know, I know. After all this time and all that, those harassing emails you sent out to the world about why <laughs> Christopher Price. In a good way, though. It was, a, it, it was good for you. It was stalking in a good oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's how that works. I didn't know stalking kind of was good. Gawking. Good gawking. stalking. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, that doesn't no. work. Okay. No. 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 It's worth a try. <laughs> that doesn't work. So, Kenny, you're yeah, back. I Where the back. hell were you? I was around. I was around. You're around. A couple places, yeah. Oh. But I missed you guys. Oh, we missed you, too. He lifted himself out of the gutter and brushed himself off, and he is now back. Out of the gutter? Although we yeah. do have a big thank you to our fill-in. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. Yeah. Johnny. Straight Johnny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll be back. He'll be back. Don't worry. Yep. So, if you like Johnny, we're going to have him back. Yeah. I love Johnny. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Stop looking at me, man. I see some green-eyed monster I next to know. me here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to the point. Yes. Mm-hmm. How excited are you? I am. I'm terribly excited because, you know, I, I end up looking through all of his wonderful works. And, yeah. and I was actually, I was kind of gawking too. I was gawking too. Because I was, I was like gawking through his work and, and his social media feeds and yeah. his website and like yeah. everything. And it was just, there's so much interesting stuff. And I can't wait to talk to him about it. Too. Yeah. So, yes. So, get in line behind me, Queen, because if you're going down that road, I think you're going down. Honey, I'm taller than you. <laughs> I, I can reach around you. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. You you got shotgun on this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, driving. Okay. I'm, still I'm in, driving this one. I'm okay. still in slapping distance so, over here, though. So, you know what, Sir Producer Kenny? Yes. Since, since, since Christopher Rice is now... You have you can't imagine the weight that's been lifted off my I, shoulders. Oh no, well, I'm gonna put some more on you because okay. we're Elvira's next. Oh, all right. So we're gonna hound the crap out of you about getting Elvira on the show because we mm-hmm. are systematically knocking off our mm-hmm. dream guest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When do I get a shot at this uh, little dream guest? But thing? do you remember what his dream guest was? I know. Here it comes again. Yo la tengo. Son of a bitch. <laughs> was that really his dream guest? I don't remember. No, I just, was it? I just like, I don't know. I, I don't thought remember. it was anyone with boobs. Yeah, I think, I think boobs had something to Which do with it. Which narrowed it down to 
Would you like me to get yeah. out of the way so the two of you can complete your dream guesthood? <laughs> I can just hand I them over that, to you. That might work. <laughs> and while we're on the yes. topic, I yep. need to tell you, you look amazing dressing for our guest tonight. Oh, thank you. I thank didn't. You. I, I was kind of at a loss as to what do you wear for a New York Times bestseller. And I, one of people's <clears throat> sexiest men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. I love it. I love it. And I like your your ensemble too. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting tired of our opening. I just can't wait to get to the guest. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get through this stuff and then we can get yeah. to it. What do All you right, say? So well why don't we let's, move on and let's get it on. I know, I know. So guess what time it is, darling? What time is it? It's time to go into our mail sack. Mm. Our kilted bros. Dot com mail sack. Our screamless kilted bros. <laughs> mail sack. Could it be our Christopher Rice mail sack? Oh, God. Just for no. one day only. Bag of rice. Uh, That's quite a bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. Oh, Lord. There's going to be a lot of food puns in here tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so mm-hmm. punny. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, darling. Right, so the first one. Uh, from our mail sack is from Eliz Booth, and she writes, "Hi, Kenny, the straight guy." Oh shit! Uh, okay, it's directed right to you. All right. Mm-hmm. She says, "What's it like sitting between a gay and a drag queen?" Well, what you must know is that I don't sit between them because I've learned that that's not a good place to be. <laughs> but it's awesome. I love these guys. You should you know. be so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, it's exactly you, what it sounds like. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I respect and love these guys, so it's great. Well, Eliz, honey, Kenny goes home with tons of glitter on him <laughs> because it just kind of wafts off of my outfits and onto his, his ensemble, so... Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I make you more sparkly as the day as the evening wears on. And who can't use an extra sparkle? Mm-hmm. True that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one is from Billy X four one two six seven. Oh Lord, that's a lot of numbers. Well, I didn't write it. <laughs> hey, bitches. Hey. I beg your pardon. Yeah. My sister just told me she wants to swim in the lady pond. Advice. Oh my god! I almost just <laughs> choked on my water. No, Veranda's <laughs> drinking out of the lady pond as we speak. <laughs> the lady pond. Yes. Well, I have nothing on that one, <laughs> and we don't want to throw this <laughs> one to Connie. Nothing on that one. I got a lady pool and a lady pond, and lady pond's good for you. Okay, back to Billy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If if she's Everyone should experiment. You know what? I mean, why not? Well, and you know what? If, if life it's is short, thing, mm-hmm. what do you need advice for? Let right. her be. No, right. I mean, I, um, go. Uh, d- d- so, yeah, support her, be her friend. D- there are yeah. YouTube videos for you to watch. <laughs> Kenny, this question has shaken Veranda to the ground. It point. has. I'm, I'm all weirded out by this, I guess. I don't wow. know. Yeah, weirded out. Uh, you know what? I say more power to her. Yeah, it's hard enough to find love in this world. That's right. Regardless Life's of the too genitalia, short. just Life's get too it short. done. Life's too short. All right, bitch, you're back. Give us the next email. All right, this one is from uh, Tammy Blue. Hey. Blue. Said, hey, Titty Tats. Hey, hey Tammy hey. Blue. What is your dream vacation location? Hmm. Dream vacation location. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> 
Wow. I, you know, I've always wanted to... <laughs> what is so funny? I just, I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out what you're about to say. <laughs> wow. No, you know, I've always wanted to go to Egypt, but that's probably not going to be, you know, on the list. No, there's no way you're not going to no, stand out at no, seven no, feet tall. No, no I, I, um, but going to... Um, I've never been to Greece. I think Greece would be interesting to visit, but I'm, I think the top of my list right now is Italy. Italy. I'd love to go to Italy, see all the fashion, go to Milan, do just that. And then just nothing but vineyards up and down <laughs> the coastline <laughs> in Italian couture. Come on. Okay. That's a beautiful scene. What do you think? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. I've been lucky to be a lot of places. I think, you know, my he's been everywhere, Veranda. Uh, no, I'm not he's saying been everywhere, man. I don't know. It's not a hard. I'm question. more of like a tropical, you know, island water that kind of stuff. Yeah, mountain snow. It's not for me. Okay. Yeah, me yeah. neither. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing to do with that. White sandy beaches. I break too easily. Yeah, <laughs> she's fragile. <laughs> Fragile. How about mm-hmm. you, Thomas? Well, I have to say. In the spirit of tonight show, West mm. Hollywood is looking oh. really good tonight. <laughs> I'm a little pick- wee-ho. A little wee-ho. Mm. <clears throat> a little wee-ho. I thought it would be a little bit more of, a, of an ex- exotic destination for you. Well, I'm just doing a temporary stop in wee-ho, picking up some stuff. And then I'm thinking Bali would be really good. Oh, really? Yeah, right? Oh. You know those like huts over the water? How fun uh-huh. would that be? Uh-huh. They have huts at Bally's. <laughs> <laughs> They're not paying us for that plug. So. <laughs> you know what? That the, To me, that does not sound fabulous because that's like 100% humidity there. My hair would be so frizzed out. It would be terrible. You just put a new wig on. Ter- uh, and that would be frizzed out in two seconds. Okay. Terrible. All right, let's move on. Okay. I'm, I'm getting anxious. Drag rock. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so the next one is from Kara Jean, 888-888-888-888. I just extended the eight, that's okay. all. Kara Jean. Yeah, Kara Jean. She says, hi, bitches. Hi, Kara Jean. Hey. So, can you wear white <laughs> after, after Labor Day? Day. <laughs> <laughs> and she even says LOL after it. So. <laughs> the rules have changed. No, they haven't. You can wear white after Labor Day. Yeah, winter white. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. So it's it's just it's not a crisp bright white. It's just a nice subtle like a I don't know. I don't know if you call it a cream cuz in reality who looks good in white anyway? I do. Oh. I think I agree with that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> See what I'm doing over here? <laughs> okay. I got you. <laughs> Why, thank you. I hope that answers your question, Kara Jean. You can wear, wear what... You know what? Here's the rule. Wear whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with. And, and be cl- confident about clearly it. Clearly, you follow that rule. I do. Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. All right. If you're going to take style tips, I think Miranda Lanai is the place to start. That's why I'm sitting here with no pants on. Well, well and that's a little <laughs> weird. Now I just brought that up. We, we do need to talk My about My next that. mail sack leads back into this same question. Uh-oh. Hey, whores. Uh-huh. Which I think is a little presumptuous. Hey, whores. I think so. I think yeah. we've established that so. we're kind of whores. All right. <laughs> what, are you wearing to the, what are you wearing to the Academy Awards? Mm. 
Wow, I think I'm wearing a Mr. Thomas special. Yeah, and I think, you know what I'm thinking you should do is be the drag version of the actual Academy Award. That's a lot of gold. As if you don't wear that now. That's, well, it's true, very yeah. true. But you know what? It's got, it has to be very 20s. It has to have those 20s deco lines. I'm so obsessed with that era that, yes, gold would be fabulous, but it's got to be deco gold. Deco gold. Deco gold. I'm with mm-hmm. that. Are you wearing a tux, I assume? I'm going to wear Scarlett Johansson's ass as a hat. Oh my God. What <laughs> the hell is going on tonight? <laughs> and he's back. Oh, yes. That's the question. You get the answer. All right. Next oh, one. No, what were you wearing? Yeah. You didn't say what you were going to wear. Probably as little as possible. Wow. Yeah, I've been working out. Okay. I know. You look right. great, by the okay. way. Yay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Green Mile still kicking your ass? Yes. Next question, please. <laughs> All right. Hey, this one's for Miranda. Uh-oh. And it comes from oh. Eric C2214. Well, hi, Eric, darling. So, hey, Miranda. Hey. Where did hey, your. Hey, hey. Green Mike sign. Where, where did your name come from? Oh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Veranda Lanai one. Of course. <clears throat> that is who you are, after that all. That is who I am. Well, you know what? It was one drunk bowling night with my three girlfriends. Veranda mm-hmm. Bowls? Mm-hmm. I bowled. Bowled past it, yeah, it wasn't very pretty. I can only imagine. It was imagine. not very pretty, no. Although you mm-hmm. know your way around balls. Mm-hmm. I do, <laughs> I do. And there were various sizes and weights, too. So, you know, I was, I was an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite an expert. So anyway, no, we were we're having a drunken good old time, and um, we're like, "What's your drag name gonna be?" And it just ended up being really kind of innocuous. But my my three best girlfriends became Vermilion Rouge, like it, Valencia Clementine, like it, and the not so smart one became Venetian Blinds. Not a big fan of that one. No. So we were the four V girls. Unless she was blind. Now that put the whole new spin I, on it. I think and she was Venetian. really super, super <laughs> drunk. I think that's what it was. A Venetian blind. <laughs> so it became the four V girls. Veranda, Valencia, Vermilion, and Venetian. So two questions. What does yep. Veranda Lanai wear to a bowling alley? And what's your average? Balls, honey, balls. <laughs> <laughs> Something with a lot of stretch. Because you got to move around. There's I mean, a lot you know of what, movement there. Kenny, I'm kind of picturing Laverne and Shirley. Now that you mentioned it. Shlemiel Shlemazel. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Those were your Cross other friends. Incorporated. Yeah, Shlemiel Shlemazel. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had the big embroidered V on my top. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, um, the next uh, mail comes from... <laughs> <laughs> the next male. Jorge. <laughs> oh, God. Jorge. Jorge mm. Catalan. Oh, yes. Jorge says, Hola, putas. Oh, that's that nice, Jorge. Jorge, that's mean, man. How about some Latino guests? So, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> So well, we're back on Dream Guest, I'm guessing, because Yola Tango, which mm-hmm. none of them are Latino, but they chose a name because of a based on a Latino baseball player. Did Jorge have any suggestions? <laughs> no, he didn't. Because I don't think J Lo's calling in anytime soon. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, let's see. Charo? We're, 
Oh, I would love some coochie coochie. I would love some coochie meetings for mm-hmm. the Charo. Charo is one of the guests you know we what? are seeking. Here's the funny thing, though. If we would get Charo on air with us, she'd be talking so fast, we probably would not. <laughs> Not get a chance to she understand what she's talk pretty She rapidly. talks very, very, yeah. very fast. Well, I speak Spanish, so I could probably handle that. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can roll it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Good if that's the only question. thing you can do in Spanish, that <laughs> because in reality, we've we've pretty much covered all types of people yeah. on our guest list, yeah. but that is true. We, we need to get some a, a Latino. Latino, Latina. Yeah, well, we're, Jorge, we're going to work on that, sweetie pie. We're going to get somebody on that's going to be fabulous. Although, Kenny's probably going to be working on it, so don't hold your breath, Jorge. Like I said, Jorge, we're going to be working on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, I got another one for Miss Veranda. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm feeling popular today. Yes. This comes from Anonymous. Oh, Lord. Those are always the good ones. Yeah. Hey, Veranda, you bitch. Wow. Not very, nice. very, very uh, know, abrasive. Right? But it probably was in a loving way. I I, okay. um, why aren't you promoting the Austin Drag Fest? Love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a passive aggressive <laughs> yeah. slap kiss. <laughs> hey, bitch. Why? Love you. <laughs> yes. Smack. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I will be down at the Austin International Drag Festival at the very end of April, April 28th through May 1st. We are going to have a blast down there. And I am a ambassador of goodwill. Um, Not for- good taste. Good- oh, <laughs> wow. Listen here, you twat. Nah. Wait a minute. We just had stereo wows. And neither one of them involved me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you're rubbing off on me. What can I say? Well, it's Son better than when you're bitch. rubbing on me. Son of a Son bitch. Of a bitch. <laughs> so I am a Goodwill Ambassador for Cleveland, Ohio. So I cannot wait to go down there and represent my wonderful hometown. How cool is that? And um, there's going to be drag from around the world, from Germany and England and France, and of course, uh, the wonderful 50 United States. And talent from kings and queens to lady queens to uh, androgyny to everything you can think of burlesque all forms of drag and it's going to be a huge showcase there's going to be panels there's going to be a girls will be girls film reunion um, with Viola Jean Merman Coco Peru um, are we getting paid for this plug yeah uh, you know, I no, we're not. Sadly, we're not. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I just can't. It's it is actually the world's largest drag festival. It is going to be amazing. Yes, it is going to be. Are we going? Amazing. Are we going? Are we going? I don't know. You guys want to come down with me? When can we it? do the show from there? <clears throat> I, there's going to be plenty of entertainment to talk to. Well, what so, do you think, Kenny? I, I think we should take it. You but do, we don't want to. We don't want to horn in on Veranda's gig. Oh, we absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we, if somebody wants to find out more information about that. Yeah, you can go on austindragfest.org and you can find out all the headliners, all of the uh, ambassadors. It's going to be so much fun. So much fun. See, now you said it's austindragfest.org. I mm-hmm. thought you were going to throw a Y on there because it just seems <laughs> a, a natural fit. <laughs> 
Well, it would be it would be an orgy of glitter and yeah, that's sequins. That's what it's going to be. And feathers. And feathers and wigs and makeup and drag yes, rods. Yes, yes. There will be a lot of drag rods. There's going to be a lot of something going on down there. Mm-hmm. 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 So I got one for you guys. Yeah. Oh, I okay. We were this done. is no, 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 man. <laughs> this is from BJG thirty three eighty nine. It says, "Hey guys, hey, hey. the show rocks." What's your favorite wow. shooter? I guess shot shooter. Oh, okay. Oh, oh well, well, well. I thought we were back about our, uh, talking about our guest for the evening. <laughs> we were hoping. Wow, I think that's Thomas's favorite shooter right now. Mm. Yes, amen. Mm. You bitches need you some Jesus spiced rice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would think mine is actually a mango kamikaze. Mm, I don't know if I've ever had them. that. Imagine that from the lips I love, of a drag queen. I love them. Can you so make them tasty. for next show? A mango yes. kamikaze yes. with a sequin <clears throat> shot glass, three mm-hmm. feathers, mm-hmm. and a boa. Honey, I don't want to throw up. I want to drink the alcohol, not eat the feathers. <laughs> Well, I wasn't suggesting you eat the but feather. I, I have a second. I have a backup one, though. It's Lay called off. a ruby slipper. What's that? <laughs> Did you ever see ruby slipper? No. So they make you they make you a shot um, with uh, one specific alcohol, and it's clear. And they make you a smaller shot, and they drop that in, and the red from the second shot no. filters through becomes a ruby slipper. It's That's very pretty cute. gay. It is very gay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. You guys are weird me out with your gay. I think I saw right Kenny now. drinking those. <laughs> No, he was drinking pink squirrels. Oh, what's that now? (laughs) (laughs) Now I got to try it. What's that now? (laughs) What about you, Thomas? I I thought we covered me already. No, you didn't say a darn thing about alcohol. No. Spice rice. No, come on. Give give us us a good... uh, I I do enjoy uh, a shot of tequila. Tequila? I'm kind of a straightforward guy. Uh, Tequila I enjoy. I'm not into the... Although, you know, a Guinness and a shot of Irish, Irish whiskey is always good. Let's, I think we, yeah, we, let's not we, go we might want to think about this because now if people see us out, they're going to buy you this shot every time they see okay, you. Okay, I'll take they that. So, so rethink that. I'll take the Guinness and the shot of Irish whiskey. Okay, I just wanted you to be confident in your answer because that was going to be my answer. <clears throat> That's because we're brothers. As a fellow Mick, I appreciate yeah. you and love you, man. And you as well. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I'll stick with the vodka, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the end Thank of the road. God. I know. It's about damn time. <laughs> we need to cinch that sack. <laughs> cinch that sack. <laughs> Thank you, KiltedBros.com, for being our wonderful sponsor for our mail sack. <laughs> I just want to reminisce one more time. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Outrageous. Yes, there we go. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, dummies, we got to take a quick break. We will be right back with the phenomenal, the long sought after, the heartthrob, and the amazingly talented Christopher Rice. Yeah. Yes. yes. Hi, we're Nick and Jefferson from KiltedBros.com. And you're listening to the Tit for Tat Show. Veranda. Yes. Do you remember many, many episodes ago on our very first episode? Oh, for Pete's sake, yes. We were asked who would be our dream guest. Mm-hmm. You said something like Elvira. Yes, absolutely. Kenny said something like anybody with boobs. Yeah. Do we all remember who Thomas said? Yes. I, I have yes. no clue. Okay, because it's only I don't been remember. mentioned in every single episode every since. Every damn episode. And every text and tweet I've gotten from you since that day. <laughs> okay, so let me clarify. Okay. Uh-oh. 
I am truly honored and amazed to have our next guest on. New York Times bestselling author. He mm. has been called masterful. Mm. Destiny of Souls, The Vines, The Moonlit Earth, The Heavens Rise, Blind Fall, The Snow Garden, Desire and Ice, Desire, Dance of Desire, Kiss the... And I have asked him to stop using me in reference to the romance oh, part. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, just, to, just to mention a few things. And then we get into the dinner party show with Eric Shaw Quinn. Yes. If you haven't heard the show, you're missing you it. You gotta check mm-hmm. it out. So let me tell you, my dream guest is on the phone right now. Mr. Christopher Wright. Yes! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I've been practicing that all day. <laughs> How many rubber bands around your sect did that yeah. take to get that high to wow. a note? 20! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, this so, is so exciting. Needless to say, I am beyond excited. I know, he wouldn't stop fucking talking all day long about hey. this. <laughs> Come oh, on. All day? Yeah. All day. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Actually, one of those books that you mentioned in the intro comes out tomorrow. Ooh, the day nice. after we record this. That's Dance of Desire. So I'm crazy. Oh, that's that's awesome. I and I have been dancing with desire all day long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because it is it's it's a digital release mostly. I mean, it's available in trade paperback, but it's essentially print on demand. It's this special project I'm in called A Thousand and One Dark Nights, and it's very different to have a release date that is about a button becoming available on a website at a certain hour of the night. Like, it it happens much quicker, and it's a much leaner process, and you still go just as crazy as if you were imagining the book appearing in physical stores across the country. Right. Wow. So you, you're still, you still do the junkets, you still do the press releases and all that other fun stuff. It's just that it's a, it's a button you push. Well, no, not re- I mean, not for books like this. It's interesting. These are novellas, which I publish more frequently than I do my my sort of bigger novels. And they they come out. This particular project kind of tries to harness a sort of social media digital vibe, where all the authors who are in it they release two novellas a month, and there's nothing really connecting them except a sort of branding and a marketing and what I'm about to describe, but you commit, if you are part of this project, to promote on social media every release as it happens. So it's sort of uh, sisters are doing it for themselves, mm, if you forgive mm-hmm. the expression. Yep. And that is, that's kind of, and it, and it works, and it comes out of the romance world. It's a romance project, and romance is full of this kind of stuff. It's full of this kind of collective effort and uh, generosity when it comes to marketing. So the, the last big uh, book tour I did was probably for The Vines, which was the last scary book that I wrote. And um, Amazon actually published that book, so I didn't think I would be going to any stores, but uh, it was a joint tour with my mother, and so uh, some of the stores were willing to take the book on at least for a single event, if you will. So that was the big, that was like a press junkety thing, but that was all about the return of Lestat. So it was sort of, it, I, I was just sucking the air off of that fire. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very different landscape than it was even five years ago, seven years ago, certainly 15 years ago, which is when I think A Density of Souls first came out. You know, it's it's just not the same. The gay bookstores are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, with, the, with a few exceptions, I think the only one I can think of offhand is Glad Day in Toronto, um, which is still going and run by some great people. But it's just, it's most authors don't go on big book tours anymore unless they're super huge because there aren't the stores to go to. Yeah. 
Wow. We've, we've lost a ton of the. We lost a ton of bookstores, which is crazy. I mean, I remember spending most of my my teenage years uh, just sitting down in a bookstore and just voraciously reading everything I could get my hands on. Right, um, and I miss it terribly. Um, yeah, but and now she, I, and now she just sits on the floor not reading. <laughs> well, or do you sit on your computer browsing for stuff? I mean, like I, I will say that I can. Like it's a dangerous prospect for me to go on Amazon or any of them after a certain hour of the night because it's like three hours later and I'm looking for gay motorcycle romances and you know there are a lot of those by the way and so you know you just go down this <laughs> rabbit hole of clicking and clicking and clicking and it's sort of it's the modern day equivalent of that but you're right I miss the bookstores too because you did occasionally stumble across a book that you never would have seen otherwise but it happens online, too, particularly with the recommendation algorithms. It's like for people who like this book, you may like this book you didn't even know existed. Yeah. I just I love just a good hardback book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did say hard. Mm-hmm. I do yep. like a good hardback. I want that tangible book in my hand to read. I, I feel that's maybe just that's how I've, you know, what I've done all my life. I want that book. I want yeah. To, I don't know. That's just me. Just you. Just me. Because I'll take it any way I can get it. Oh uh, well, of course you would. Uh huh. Uh huh. You boys. <laughs> where, where are you guys? Are you in Ohio? We're in Cleveland. That's in Ohio, right? Yes. yes. Okay, good. I just wanted to be sure. You know, people get about their states. You don't want to misstate them. Um, no. But I was in. Um, I think I was in Cincinnati a few years ago on a book tour. We're I went sorry. To Joseph Beth Booksellers. Yes. Is that? Yes, yes. I was at Joseph Beth in Cincinnati. Yeah, they're good people there. Yeah. See, now you just got to come to Cleveland. Maybe I was in Cleveland. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible... You know, I did this to a city in California once, and it really pissed them off. <laughs> the whole city. <laughs> they never forgive me. But I, it was a, I was going to do an event in Stockton, California, and I was like, why the fuck am I going to Stockton? <laughs> and it was, a, it was a pain in the ass, too. I was staying in San Francisco, and it was about a three-hour drive into the Central Valley at rush hour to get to this event. And I was thinking, why are they going to the effort of sending me all the way out here? And um, what, this, this isn't really the story I meant to tell, but the... There's not much else to do in Stockton, California, except go see the author who's at the Barnes and Noble. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are. So I pulled up, and it was like the music man had come to town. The town drunk was in the front row, and te- <laughs> teenage girls who had no idea who I was were like, "Well, you sat in my stomach," and I was like, no, "Okay, no, they didn't." <laughs> oh yeah, it was super weird. Oh, that's horrible. Um, but I had given this interview and to the local Stockton newspaper, and they had said. Uh, have you ever been to Stockton? And I think I said, not realizing how offensive this was, I believe I drove through there on my way somewhere else. <laughs> and, and so, like, a representative of the Chamber of Commerce for Stockton came to the event with a copy of a picture book called Stockton, City of the Future. Wow. And he, he presented it to me with a bit of venom in the mm. presentation. I'll put it that way. Like, this this is our city, which you besmirched in our own paper. I was like, so I, so forgive me if I spoke uh, ill of Ohio. No, but no. when you got your copy of Stockton, A City of the Future, were you jealous of the literary prowess of that publication? Well, it was more the sort of uh, photography. The shot of the river at sunset with the central business district in the background, and then the other shot of the river at sunset with the central business district. And then then an empty field, you know, which looked like something you'd see on Dateline, you know. I'm not not trashing the city, it's more the construction. Not the city, just the city manager. 
Yes, just the city manager who paid to have the book published. Well, please remember that does equate to literature for straight producer Kenny. So <laughs> I, I, it's wait. Fantastic. I, I was going to ask Christopher mm. about Cleveland authors because Anthony Doerr, as you know, is born in Cleveland and he won the Pulitzer. All, the, all the light we cannot see. It, are yes. you familiar? Yeah. So I mean, we have. I'm so glad some we have you on the here. show tonight, straight producer Kenny. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Just tonight. The straight guy's like, let's talk about some real literature. For yeah. 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 Comics. Oh <laughs> no. <clears throat> wow. So anyway, um, we had asked, we had reached out to our listeners who have self-proclaimed themselves titty tats, and asked them to send <laughs> us some questions for you. And we were kind of overwhelmed. Um, I had, oh. a, yeah. I, so we have pulled some of them out for you. And why don't we just start in with that, Miranda? Yeah. All right. So this uh, first question is from Barry Cruz. And he says, Hi, Mr. Rice. Um, I, I've read that you are single because you are very selective. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> That's a good email. What, what is your type? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I think he's quoting a tweet that I posted recently, and I didn't say selective. I said specific, Oh, which wow. I think is a, is a different thing. You know, I, I have had a lot of... Yeah, dating experience. I have kissed a lot of frogs and not yet found my prince. Um, wow, I hope my exes don't hear this podcast. But, um, and I have learned what I am able to do and what I'm able to show up for and, and what I'm not. And I think as you get older, and it may shock everyone to find out that I'm almost 40, right? You're no, shocked, right? I, right? I can't Absolutely believe it. Shocked. No, we can't. Shock and awe. Hold on. Give right. us a second to digest this. <laughs> I'll let you recover, have a, have a, a, a mint or something. Uh, <laughs> the, the older you get, the more you realize, <laughs> are you pissing me off? <laughs> Your answer's already too long. Uh, uh, <laughs> the older you get, the more dating sounds like that buzzer. But uh, yes. the, quicker, the quicker you are to realize, oh, yeah, this just isn't going to work. And if you've managed to build a life for yourself that you enjoy and that you like, you think something's really, a relationship's really going to have to add something to my life rather than me putting everything about my current life on hold. Mm -hmm. So that's really a long way of saying I'm a top. <laughs> and i'm not versatile oh there we go ah you answered that correctly yes ding ding <laughs> so, how, do right. we, how do we move on from that thomas, well thomas has an email i do have an email well, let's hear um, it this one comes from gargoyle 44 oh, sounds dear. legit yeah yeah hi christopher Hi. <laughs> what is Halloween like at the Rice Homestead? Oh. Uh, you know, Halloween is, or typically Halloween has been about a large fan club party for my mother that's held in New Orleans every year. Uh, but mom announced that due to her uh, age and the fact that she lives out in California now, pretty close to me, she's not going to be able to travel to New Orleans for that party every Halloween anymore. So... It's mostly for me about trying to get out of West Hollywood, which is a Halloween, uh, I'm going to say nightmare because of the crowd control issues associated with it. It's just that I live in West Hollywood and, and on Halloween night, people just descend from all over and I either leave West Hollywood completely or I uh, stay in my uh, apartment because it's one of those things where it started as um, a great 
kind of, I don't know, local festival with a lot of good drag and a lot of great costumes. And then eight million straight people showed up <laughs> not in costume to just look at everybody. Oh, We're always ruining right. everything. Yeah, it is. You just ruin everything. I know. Um, I apologize on behalf of all straight people. And you know, and see, I'd be, yeah. I'd show up to the nines in a costume, and and there's there's uh you know Princess Brittany over there with just a tiara going hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, drag queens just think they can get away with anything. These days. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all because of that RuPaul gave him ideas uh, with that damn show. RuPaul. Yeah. No. So I, you know, I'm not a. I, I went through a period of. of like, I don't, it wasn't a midlife crisis, but it was like a pre-midlife crisis where Halloween was about, I'm going to go to the gym and get the best body I can, and I'm going to dress up like one of those athletes that I never was remotely, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get laid. And that worked <laughs> for a while. And then I just thought, I'm too old for this shit. Like, sort of like a gay Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. Like, I'm too old for this shit. Like, um, so it is more about um, a memory of something that is completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not it was it, i'll tell you my my favorite uh halloween story oh god you may kill me for telling this story is that oh, yeah. mom mom and had um a chemical peel done on her face and i think she forgot that she had had it done because she was welcoming <laughs> trick-or-treaters in her neighborhood and she kept saying the children were just terrified of me. she was telling me this story and i was like they must not like adults and i was like i don't think all the children in your neighborhood don't like adults and i thought there was this pause and i said mom didn't you have a chemical peel oh. like a and she goes, oh, God, they're all right. Like, oh, yeah, your face is bright red. You look like you had weird makeup on. Oh, God. That's going to get me wow. cut off. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. See, Halloween is my favorite holiday uh, of the entire year because I'm just, I love the macabre. And, and Elvira is like my um, role model, go-to gal. I love her, love her, love her. So I, you know, I, a lot of my personality is uh, her wit and charm and, and her tits too. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. No, I met, I, I want to like an Elvira approved drag artist out here in California who does Elvira. And I think maybe some other characters too. And he was fantastic. And he looked, he, he had everything. Mm-hmm. He had everything down. You know, like I, I think some of my mixed feelings about Halloween is I've always actually had a strange relationship to scary movies like I went through a period when I was very young where I thought I could watch anything like didn't matter the bloodshed whatever and then I got to a certain age where it started to seem a little too real to me and and I will say like recently the trends in horror movies I'm not talking about the there's a really creepy kid upstairs and I have to babysit him trend I'm talking about the we're gonna torture people for two hours straight and you're supposed to enjoy it I was like fuck this I'm not on board like I don't like all of this so I kind of, it was interesting. It took me a while to even commit to writing a novel that could be called horror because I felt like horror had been taken over by torture porn stuff and I just couldn't do it. So I don't know. This is a long way of saying I'm not as excited about Halloween (laughs) as the people who follow me on social media are. (laughs) Hey, you know, crack up in a bottle of wine and you're good. Well, I don't drink. So I, I just. Yeah, I'll do caffeine and pornography. That's oh, kind of my well, idea. that's yeah. even better. Right, absolutely. You know, it's fun sticking razor blades in apples and passing them out to kids. Oh, jeez. I heard. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> that's a good time, man. That's ruined <laughs> trick-or-treating for everybody. Yep. Of course, the straight guy says that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fingers of violence. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of that, uh, we have another one more email from, <laughs> for you. This is from Kevin Aguila, and it says, Hey, Christopher. 
What do you think about being Thomas's dream guest and his relentless stalking and hounding of straight producer? Kevin? Hold on one second <laughs> yeah. here. I could not characterize that as relentless stalking. Guys, yeah. And Can you on define the stalking, relentless? Not to toot my own horn as a two-dimensional object for crazy people, but on the, on, on the... And I'm not talking about you, Thomas. Yes, you are. On the stalking spectrum, Thomas is maybe a one on Thank a scale you. of one to ten. In fact, Thomas, I don't think you're doing a very good job, and I encourage you to try harder. Um, don't but, encourage him. Do not encourage him. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I really don't. I don't feel very stalked, and I have at, at various points in my life felt very heavily stalked. Yeah, I did not get a cease and desist, so I'm good. Well, oh. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, but you ordered a cease and desist from me. Yeah. I, say, I was well. just recently out your way and told Thomas, maybe I'll try and contact him just to see, you know, maybe... We'd hang out, have a beer, and then, uh, you know. Because he wants to do nothing else but hang out with a straight stranger. <laughs> I'm not Straight saying. people are all right. I like straight people. I have <laughs> yeah. a few. I, I know a few. <laughs> My mom is straight. That's a whole different <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Right, right, right. Oh, my, and my, thank my. God, because if she wasn't, you will not be here. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Right? The logic of Kenny. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, back to that question. Yeah. Not stalking. Was stalking. Admiration. Weird. Not weird. See, <laughs> listen. It is, it is straight producers Kenny's job to get the guests on that Veranda and I really would like to have. Okay. And I ended up doing this myself. Absolutely. Because straight producer Kenny didn't do his job because he was too busy breeding, which is what straight people That's do. That's exactly <laughs> No, because right. you exactly. wouldn't answer emails from straight guys. That's oh, no. what I, did. I did. I don't. I answer tweets from uh, gays, <laughs> and I think that's how you eventually got me. You guys started tweeting at me, and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Started, I think they're called the gays, aren't they? The gays, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah of course. <laughs> they're coming from... Never mind. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So... <laughs> so um, I have a, I have a question for you with this uh, absolutely fantastic uh, the dinner party show. Thank love you. Love it. Love this. It's show. fantastic. I, so who has been uh, some of your favorite guests that you've had on that you just it just turned into this wonderful, fun, creative laughter, crying. I don't know what it was, but who who are they? Who did you like the best? Well, oh, God, it's hard to pick. I, I have to say the best experiences were getting ready to interview somebody pretty famous that we didn't know very well, where we didn't know how it was going to go, and being very nervous and having them just be lovely. And probably that is a tie between Jackie Collins and Patricia Cornwell. I mean, obviously, the Jackie Collins interviews were ended up being particularly special to us because she passed away, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to say, mm -hmm. several weeks after, and we had no idea she was sick. Mm. I mean, she came off, I think, an international book tour and did our show twice within just a few weeks of each other. She did it before her book came out, and then she came back and did it again. And she seemed tired, but we had no idea. We were devastated when we found out she had died. Mm -hmm. So those interviews are going to hold a special place in our heart. But you know, the, the show is a collaboration with my best friend, Eric Shaw Quinn, and, and he, early on, we got Patricia Nell Warren on who wrote The Front Runner, mm -hmm. and watching, Eric had read that book as a young man, and watching him tear up as he interviewed her was 
very moving and very much the reason that we did it. And, you know, I think another thing that was great, I, I realize I'm picking everybody, is that we sort of, as a result of the show, developed a friendship with Brian Fuller, who is a wonderful TV writer who will be doing the new Star Trek for CBS and Amazing mm -hmm. Stories with Steven Spielberg. And he, it turned out, was a crazy Anne Rice fan. And so he came on the show. I think we had him on like maybe 12 times. So I'm going to say in the history, we, we did, uh, we're coming back as a video show uh, later in about a few months because from the from the very first day we started doing it everybody is like when's the video when's the video and we would post these little backstage clips but we're going to really go video focused in the next few months but it for we did podcasts weekly for three years and I think in the in that entire span of time we only had one really bad guest and he was no one I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say no but, we want names <laughs> no, he, he, was, he was just no one and I mean he was somebody brought on by somebody else and it was you know unpleasant but I think as you all have probably learned you learn you get better at interviewing people a, as you go along and I think in the beginning there were a few times where we, we lost control of the interview with somebody who'd maybe had too much to drink and it, whatever but it, it is it's an amazing aspect of digital media in general, it's hard to get paid and it's hard to make any money at right, it, right. but you are free to experiment and learn how to do so many different things. And we had, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a blessed person, so we had money to throw at the production of it. Um, and we did all these skits and all these characters like Jordan Ampersand, and we'll be bringing some of those back um, for the video, TDPS 2.0 as we're calling it. But we were also, it was just being able to learn by doing. Right? right, and you know, mm -hmm. if you go back and you listen to some of our earlier shows, and I'm sure you probably feel this way about your own shows, you think, "Oh, if I'd known then what I knew now," but um, it's it's an amazing thing. It really is an amazing thing to think that out of nothing we built this thing that was completely ours, that no producer or editor or anyone um, tried to shape or control or turn into something we didn't want it to be. Right. Yeah, the the creative freedom is fantastic, and and you know we we Thomas and I and Kenny we'd all talked about doing something like this for quite some time, and then when we finally did it, it was like, wow, this is this is such a new uh, you know environment for us to be in, and it was you know we were kind of stumbling quite a bit, and, so, and we can hear it. I mean, you can hear it as we progress, yeah. which is which is wonderful, and I I'm glad that and look where we are now. Yeah, yeah. look where we are. Look where we are now. now. We're doing good. So there's there's someone that un, that was on your guest list that I absolutely adore 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 and it's beth grant oh yeah oh yeah we love beth grant i mean eric's idea was beth grant has been in so many movies and tv shows mm -hmm. that he wants to do a regular segment called where the fuck is beth grant because <laughs> she could just call in from whatever whatever movie and then we had the funniest experience after she comes on the show and we have a great time she comes on with brian fuller she's done a lot of work with him and then um I'm on Twitter. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Coming out of the gym. They see me scrolling. I'm scrolling. <laughs> Beth Grant has blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, so it's one of those like games of telephone. I call Brian and I'm like, do we do we know why Beth? Did I do something? Did something happen during the show? She hasn't blocked Eric Shaw Quinn, my co-host. <laughs> and so Brian's like, I'm gonna maybe mention it to her the next time I see her. And it was like this whole thing. And then finally, we all we were at the uh, we were out together. Big group of us that Brian had gotten together, and there was Beth, and and, <laughs> and 
I was like, how do I approach this? And Eric Shawcorn was like, Beth, did you block Christopher on Twitter? And she's like, what? No, I don't even know how to use Twitter. I don't, my assistant. And we're pulling out the phones and I showed her. It says Beth Grant has blocked you. Oh my God. How did that happen? So funny. So I'm, I don't know if she unblocked me or not. I mean, it could have been a big ruse, right? Like she totally did and just pretended like it was exactly a Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. I, I just think she, and just the, just from what you're explaining, I think she'd be a stinking hoot to, to, to talk to. And just, and I love her as Sissy from Sorted Lives. I mean, that is one of my most favorite characters. She's of been in everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like she has been in everything from The Hills Have Eyes, the original, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. every TV show you've ever seen. It's unbelievable. I mean, there are few actors who are like her, you know, right. who are just uh, Little Miss Sunshine, everything. If, if they want, Anything from a sweet old Southern woman to a vicious old Southern woman. Oh, my God. Did I just call Beth Grant old? Cut that out. Cut it out. No. Blocked again. (laughs) Yeah, blocked blocked again. Blocked again. Just blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, we have to call uh, Thomas's little boner here, little Irish hey, boner. Hey, easy. (laughs) Easy. What, What was that? What are you calling little? That's your response, Thomas. Well, see. They already all know that. Oh, I so, know nothing. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Weird. So we have been thinking and thinking, and we normally do a game show type format, and we decided we're going to go a different route tonight because, Uh-oh. yeah, because yeah. of who you are, and we kind of wanted to learn some more information about you. So what we're going to do instead is going to be kind of a lightning round, and we're going to throw, okay. yeah, we're going to throw two things at you, and. See what you think, and see how what's your favorite, what what you prefer, that type of thing. This is called okay. fi- this is called five minute rice. No, I'm kidding. Oh, right. <laughs> but it won't take five minutes. No, and we're going to start out easy, and yes. things are going to get a little tougher yes. towards the end. Okay. All right. I'm all right. ready. All right, all right, sweetie. Well, so here we go. Um, salsa or guacamole? Uh, guacamole. iPhone or Samsung? iPhone. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. Neither. (laughs) (laughs) They're both really long. Anyway, sorry. Black and white or color? Color. Wine or beer? Neither. Neither. I'm going to jump in for you. Right, right, right. Facial hair or clean shaven? Clean shaven. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yep. Adventurous or cautious? Am I, or do I prefer people? Who Whatever are. you want to you say, you it. say it. I prefer people who are adventurous because I'm very cautious. Oh, oh, interesting. How about raisins or nuts? Nuts. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Picnic or a nice restaurant? Nice restaurant. Picnics are outside. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> computer or pen and paper? No, computer. Scooby or Snoopy? Snoopy. Oh. Humor or intelligence? Mm, humor. Handshake or hug? Hug. Tell me or show me? Show me. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hold me or let me sleep? Mm, let me sleep. <laughs> Undies or commando? Undies. Muscles or slim? Mm, muscles. All right, I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> Kinky or vanilla? Kinky. Cut clipped or a little something extra? Mm, cut clipped. <laughs> Love Wait, it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, sure. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you can expound on any of these that you want. Feel free. Please, yeah, please cut us off and, and, and 
No, let's not cut us no. off. No. Well, <laughs> obviously, after that last question, cutting you off is not a great idea. Leather or sports gear? What's sports gear? What you used to wear to pick up people uh, on chain? Yeah, sports gear. Okay. All right. Uh, for all to see or only me? Only me. In and out or all night long? All night long. Whoa. Well, guys... That wraps up the uh, five-minute race round, and I was 20 for 20 on that. I predicted everyone correctly, so... I, I thought it was going to get wor- much worse. Oh, it can. <laughs> <laughs> we have to save something. That's yeah. right. Not as time, we can't. <laughs> no, we've, we've got to save something. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, yeah, that's okay. Okay, I have a question to ask you that I have been wanting to ask you for a long time. Huh? Okay. And yeah. so... Please get ready. We might want to get out of the way because this is probably where he's going to shoot his nuts. Oh, so we may just want to step away. Do you from see? Do you see how focused the straight man is on male genitalia? Nobody talks to me more about gay anal sex exactly. than straight men. Exactly. Straight men at the gym are like, let's talk about sodomy. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, like, does it go? Out? Yeah, that's like, my no. favorite Salt and Pepper song. Yeah, let's talk about sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Kenny. Yeah. Come on, lay it on me. So here's my question. And I've talked, I have a couple author friends that I've spoken to the, about this as well. What do you think is the reason that people feel so connected to the author? Is it kind of the in- intimacy of being in your brain? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, okay. that's what Eric Shaw Quinn always says, and I think he, I think he's right. You know, it is it is a very intimate act reading a book that somebody has put together entirely on their own. I mean, obviously, there's an, usually an editor involved, but it is getting access to somebody's thoughts. But I think the caveat I would put in there is that I don't write memoir. I write right. fiction, and so there is a lens through which you're seeing everything, the lens of metaphor and, and, and um, you know, storytelling structure and things that are about condemnation realities and making them sort of pop out more vividly than they would if you were just telling a very hyper-realistic story. So I, I think there's that. But yeah, it is it is incredibly intimate. And I think particularly when you get into issues of sexuality and identity and things like that, you really are, it's, it's not possible for an author to keep their moral viewpoint, if you will, out of their work, even when it's fiction. You know, romance novels have uh, visions in them about how relationships should work. You know how right. what the author how, how the author believes they should work. You know if you if you write a happy ending, you are making yourself vulnerable because you are expressing how you think the world should work, whether you admit it or not. And some writers admit it, and some writers don't. So yeah, I think that's absolutely why it feels incredibly intimate. Yeah, because that's a great it does. It, it totally does. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you know, I also, I, I, I'm a genre writer, and what that means is that I do work in an arena of wish fulfillment. I do write stories in which certain fantasies are realized, you know, sometimes right. sexual, sometimes not. And so that can, you know, that can get you d- dismissed and derided as a, as a hack by, in certain quarters, but it also means that when you do develop a relationship with readers, it's that much more charged. Absolutely. So when you decide to write your next uh, uh, novella with a seven-foot-tall drag queen from Cleveland, you know how to model it after. So I totally you know. do. <laughs> I totally do. I have been forever changed by this podcast. <laughs> you know a drag queen will work for a gig. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. work what? for every gig I get. <laughs> Did you say gig Don't I get? we all? 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <sighs> so back to me. Okay, <laughs> back to you. As always. Do you feel any kind of responsibility? Because a lot of your work includes gay characters. Do you, um, do you feel any responsibility to include them, to represent them in a certain way? Well, I'll tell you what's interesting is this run of Dark Knight's novellas that we were discussing earlier, they, they don't include very many gay characters. The Surrender Gate, the novel does, and it, it starts off with a gay man sleeping with his best girlfriend, and there's this suspense of wondering if he's going to convert for her, and spoiler alert, he doesn't, and he's set up for his own book later in the series, but I haven't written it yet. But I, I, I am, for the first time, Dance of Desire, Desire and Ice, um, Kiss the Flame, those are all uh, works of mine with no gay characters whatsoever. Right. And I think a few years ago I had said to you, I just can't do it. I wouldn't be able to cut out gay characters because my interest level would fall. And I found that when I'm writing specifically about sex and intimacy, that's actually not true. That if, that if the straight characters are really digging into who they are um, in a raw and kind of primal way, then I am interested and engaged enough to write it. So I don't necessarily feel a responsibility, but I don't necessarily feel that all of my works are landing with the same group of people in the same way. I think by publishing books in different manners, they reach different audiences. But the big question that's hanging over me right now with big segments of my audience is, will I write gay romance? Because while I've included a lot of gay characters, I've written thrillers and mysteries with gay characters. Yeah. Sometimes a relationship works out at the 11th hour and light before day the hero and someone you might not expect end up together, but the book is not about charting their romantic relationship. And gay romance has become a very big uh, new genre, but most of it is written by women for an audience of women. And I think um, I celebrate them, and I think a lot of their work is very good, and I've blogged about this, and I initially got over my reflexive disdain just towards the idea of it. A lot of the female authors, they are across the LGBTQI spectrum. They identify in different ways, so it's not a group of straight housewives writing fetishistic gay porn for women who like two guys together. It's not. It's much more complex than that and diverse. Um, but there is an increasing number of men who are now writing it as well. And I think some of that is about our, um, the various kind of mainstreaming that's happening in the right. community. And I don't think it's all bad. I actually think if a young gay kid in a, outside of an urban area wants to read a sweet Harlequin romance novel about two gay guys, he, that should be there for him. That mm -hmm. should be available. And I don't care who writes it as long as they do a good job. So, but the question is, I have not written one yet. And so people are asking me, you know, various publishers are approaching me and they're like, are you going to do it? You know, the closest I've come to it is something that in the, in the business is called a menage, which is, it is a romance novel about three or more people, three or more people who end up in a polyamorous relationship with each other. And the flame is that story. It is basically about a straight married couple who fall in love with their gay best friend. And it's, there's a, there's coding attached to it that comes out of the world of fan fiction, right? You know, I'm sure mm -hmm. you've seen it on the internet, I, unless everything you read on the internet is squeaky clean. But <laughs> yeah. it's the series of letters that let you know what kind of sexual couple, couplings you're going to get in the work. And if it's MFM, that means you're about to read a menage in which the woman is with two men, but the men are, don't. It's all about her. Of course. If it's MMF, the boys are going to touch each other too. And mm -hmm. obviously that's the kind that I get into. So... That's what the flame is. So, again, but it, it's interesting. It's it's it gets back to that thing that the shock for me of writing romance 
after having worked in so many other different genres, is this the realization that it's not all fluffy clouds and rainbows, that in writing your best case scenario for your characters, in writing the happy ending, you really do make yourself incredibly vulnerable. It's much easier to be the person who believes nothing is going to work out. It's much easier to be sarcastic and snarky and cynical, but really putting your heart out there and doing it well, and there are a lot of people who don't do it well. You know, like there are a lot of bad romance novels, but there are a lot of bad mystery novels. There are a lot of bad thrillers. I think the reason people always point to the bad romance novels as somehow representing the whole genre is because, A, there are just so many fucking romance novels because it's <laughs> such a successful industry. Sure. And, and people are usually, in other genres, are pissed that it's outselling them about 10 to 1. So they hold up the bad examples. But if it's well-written and there's a lot of well-written stuff, it's really, it is, it is about being fearless. It really is. It's about creating a universe in which characters are rewarded for their vulnerability rather than punished for it, which is, you know, the thriller can be, and the mystery can be the opposite. Like the, the girl believes he's the man of our dreams, but he kills her, you know, and that's mm-hmm, yeah. where we open mm-hmm. the story, you know, or the boy believes the boy, you know? Oh. Definitely. So can you tell us more about your process and specifically, is there any character that you're willing to name that you've poured yourself into? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, in the first book, it was Stephen Conlon, who's mm-hmm. the, the gay kid in, in A Density of Souls. But I, I've said this again and again because it's very true. I made it much worse for Stephen than it ever was for me. I really, he went through bullying and abuse at a level that I never endured. I, I, I endured a fair amount of bullying, and, and being a gay kid at a conservative southern high school that was dominated by sports is never fun i don't think it's Mm -hmm. i still think it's not very very much fun for a lot of people but it wasn't on that level but his pain and his sense of alienation and his desire i that 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 all came out of me but it came out of me in a different period in my life you know it really when i had a different set of assumptions about who i was so you know they're all all the characters get a piece of me if you will but probably that one, you know, probably Adam Murphy in Light Before Day. There's a lot yeah. of me in Adam Murphy. Probably a lot more of me currently than there is in Steven. So those are pr- those are the two. But I will tell you, the, the character who often gets a lot of me, if you will, is the villain. Oh, really? The, <laughs> the villain is usually defined by an issue that I have struggled with, taken to its dangerous extreme. Like the villain is like... Uh, the the the, my, the my worst fears for myself magnified. I've mm-hmm. never done the thing that most of my villains do, or the horrible things that they do. But I, but it is it is like a projection of my own fears and insecurities about myself. Wow, yeah. is it is it cathartic to to put that out there and get it get kind of get it off of your chest, so to speak? Oh yeah, I mean the whole process is cathartic. I mean when you're in, when you're in the middle of it, it, it can feel like a drudge and it can feel impossible. And you're like, why did I ever pick this path for myself? But once it's out there, it's incredibly cathartic. I mean, some of it depends on what you're writing. I think I think maybe some writers do have the ability to really view themselves from a great remove, and you know their 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 work is is they feel very detached from their everyday life. I don't feel that way. I think life is our source book. And and that's a Eric Shaw Quinn line that I'm stealing. From him, <laughs> but I'm giving him credit. Life is our source book, and I think you know it, it, the stuff of our lives is in our books, whether we admit to it or not. Do you write every day? I do almost now. I mean, I think 
You know, it's interesting. It looks like Steve, so Stephen King gave this quote. I think maybe it was in his memoir on writing that he writes 2,000 words a day, every day, no excuses, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't get up for lunch or maybe he has lunch at his desk if he's not, you know. And I think I just saw online that he's admitting that that's true when he is writing, but there are periods when he's not writing. Mm. And during those periods, he feels like he's at loose ends. And I very much identify with that statement. When I'm in it, like right now, um, I'm working on a top secret project with a top secret collaborator that I cannot discuss in detail at this time, but I am almost finished with my piece of it. And this is when, yes, I am writing every day. And if I don't write every day, I feel um, wonky. But I will say the key to that is a manageable word count that you can hit every day so that you do have a sense of accomplishment. I think if you sit down every day and tell yourself, I must finish the book today, I, I, you just go, fuck it. I mean, this is too hard. I mean, <laughs> you drive yourself crazy. And I think a lot of people, particularly people who don't have a lot of experience writing, they do that to themselves. They convince themselves that it's about the um, sprint as opposed to it being a marathon. And it's a marathon. And you've got to be able to score yourself based on something that's doable and repeatable. Yeah. So that's what, fascinating. I'm, the proce- I'm fascinated by the whole process. and, and um, yeah. I, I had one more question for you, if I can ask from a, just a literary point of view. Sure. Um, and personal as well. So um, through the whole process of writing and your career in general, can you share with us the moment that you were least confident in your abilities and then how you overcame that moment or... or uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, the, that moment was probably the publication of Light Before Day. Uh, Light Before Day was not the novel that I had been contracted to write. I had originally planned to write a sequel to The Snow Garden, hmm. which um, was a popular book of mine. It was a book that sold less in hardcover than my first book, but it sold well in mass market paperback, which startled everyone because they thought I was way too gay and edgy to succeed in the mass market paperback market. And the success of that book in that format really laid the tracks for a lot of things that followed for me career-wise. But Light Before Day was when I thought, I have this, I have this audience all shored up and they're, they're engaged and I'm going to write a book that's um, dark and noir mm-hmm. and it isn't going to be about the gay kid ending up with the football player at the end. It's not going to be entirely about wish fulfillment. It's going to contain some, what I think are some pretty hard truths about addiction and all these other things. It was also written uh, during a very dark period of my life. My father had just died. I was dealing with some personal issues of my own. And it had a lot of that raw personal stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And it did not do well. It did not do well. It was a book that uh, it, it has developed a very loyal audience today. And whenever I get a note about it, it lights me up with somebody who sincerely liked it because there was a general reaction among the readership of what the fuck is this? <laughs> and and it is the one book that people feel free to also say kind of nasty things to me about in public because it's almost like because its characters were so dark and they were dealing with addiction, they don't want to be associated with the characters in it. Like they say, I had one woman meet me. She's like, you lost me with the crystal meth book, she called it. That's what oh, she man. called it. This complicated mystery about a bunch of different things in pedophilia, but she called it the crystal meth book. So it was like, yeah. So that was really bruising. And I mean, that was one of those moments where, and I still have my issues with this, so I'm not, I'm not a, a perfect little snowflake for the writing gods by any means. The... You have moments where you have to decide if you're really doing this for you. And if you're not, 
you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're doing this solely for audience reaction, solely because you think there's a formula out there that you can master to, to write books that are going to give you the social approval you want or the award you want or the sales figures you want, man, the world will hand you a series of punches to let you know you are not in control of that. <laughs> and that, that was one of those books. It wasn't a dismal, awful failure. The book was a New York Times bestseller, but it didn't perform at the level of the previous books. And, um, and it was it was personally very discouraging for me. And so I moved away from that experience with two things, a knowledge of what the what the what my readership was really interested in and what they could bear, and and a sense of, you know, <laughs> following your dream <laughs> sometimes means all you've done is follow your dreams. Like it's not it right. doesn't always work out exactly as you want it to. And um I but you know, I still love that book, and I and I love the book I wrote next, Blind Fall, very much. And I think it was sort of similar and in the vein of that book, but it but it had a, a different set of statements about life in it. Yeah, and I I love that book, and I think as a voracious reader, you can tell when somebody is writing to sell books. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it's really apparent. I think to somebody who reads all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, there's a, I had an editor say an interesting thing to me once, which is that, you know, literary authors are authors who describe themselves as being literary, which is usually a sign that they're not very good, that they're going to describe themselves in that way, right. is are, um, they're convinced that everybody secretly wants to write like them. They're just not for the sake of selling money. And he said, you know, Mary Higgins Clark, which was the example used, very successful, very talented a mystery novelist, she writes what she wants to be writing. She really does. She writes what she wants to be writing. She's not faking it. She doesn't have a literary memoir she's sitting on that she's mm -hmm. keeping hidden for people. Same is true of Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts is America's most successful novelist, and she's incredibly good at what she does because she loves what she does. Right. She loves what she's writing. And it comes naturally to her, and it flows, and she's got an amazing work ethic. I love her books. I think they're a lot of fun, and I think her dialogue is some of the best genre fiction dialogue you're going to find. So, you know, like, and I think you're right. I think when that love and that connection isn't there you can you can probably sense it and it's always been a fine line with me like the fun thing about the romance is where i said to you up front i am writing a romance yeah. that's what i'm doing i am trying to write the best romance i can i am not writing a book with a lot of sex in it designed to get your attention and then i'm going to use wordplay to call it 18 other different things because i'm ashamed of the romance label it's like this is a ch i took to it almost as a challenge can i write a romance and with people who really like romances it has landed and that's been that's been fun to see romance bloggers have really embraced those books and and written about them and posted about them online so but i think you're right i think you can see when somebody is disengaging from their own work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you know, the other thing that I've recently found as far as a lot of your work is concerned, <clears throat> I, I work with my hands all day. So when I'm working, I need to be listening to something. And I've recently discovered your audiobooks of the books I've already read. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating to me, the voice, which first of all, I'm wondering if you have any input on that. None. I, very rarely. I think okay. there was probably one audiobook where I said, no, that's not the right voice. But it's very rare that I'm consulted about that. And it's very rare that I want to be because I, I'm, the, I'm often the last person who can make an objective decision <laughs> on that. I just, it, it, it totally freaks me out to listen to my audiobooks. Really? Yeah, totally. It's like it's somebody else reading your book yeah. and, 
and unless I can be in the studio with them directing them word for word, which I would never want to do, I just have to surrender the whole thing. It's just, it's weird. Is it more of a, a voice thing or a cadence thing that weirds you out? What's... What do you think is yeah, it? Yeah, it, it's, it's an interpretation of my work. It's a tonal interpretation mm -hmm. of my work that isn't mine. And so, yeah, it is. it does come down to the elements of voice and cadence, but it also just comes down to somebody else. I, the reason it's a good thing, I think, to let go of it is that somebody else, a reader or the director of the audio recording, could possibly hear something there that I've missed that is that yeah. would, worthwhile. So, but I can't. I just stay out of it. But I'm glad you listened to them. Yeah, I really, really do. And there, there's there's one that is only available outside the U.S. as an audiobook. And so I'm 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 working on tracking it down because I've I I think I've pretty much covered everything that you've written at this point. Back to my stalking phase. Well, you know, Thomas, I know the author, so maybe I can ask him if do he can you? hook you up with that. Yeah, <laughs> I might be able to do that. I'll have to see if I have any copies of that. I think I actually might. I may be able to get you get you that yeah and i'm wondering do you ever have any interest in doing it yourself you know i i do and actually the reason that that uh book that you mentioned is only available outside the u.s is because we had considered doing that one oh. ourselves at the studios for the dinner party show and um ultimately it didn't it didn't work out because of time considerations and, and various other things we may well still do it if i can make it work i you don't want to rule anything out but so but when I approached publishers about my doing it, they dismissed me out of hand. They said, oh, you don't want to do it. It's a grueling job. It takes hours in the studio, and it's it's for um, you know trained actors. They, I mean, they really did. They just And I, I didn't want to do it enough or badly enough that I was willing to um, you know, get in there and fight for the job. But who knows? Now, I think in the wake of doing the show, I, yeah. I, I, may, have, I may have something to stand on there. Do we need to start a Twitter campaign? Because I can handle sure. that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Okay, all right, I'm on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you, you'll you'll be all over that. I know uh, that. Oh, that's for certain. Know. That's for certain. So I I've uh, noticed that you're going to be a host for a cover model contest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, how fun is that going to be? I, you know, I think I think it will be a lot of fun. One of the reasons it's fun is because Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention is just fun. It's insane, and it's going to be in Vegas this year, which means it'll be more <laughs> insane. But I could not believe this is only my third year going to this conference. The first time I went, I could not believe the level of enthusiasm and the attendance and the posters of gorgeous men on the walls. Like it was just insane. And gay romance very well represented. Like the first conference I went to, one of the biggest posters at the top of the escalator was for dream spinner which is one of the major gay romance houses so i felt very included and i felt it was it was really great so this will hopefully feed off of all of that energy i have no idea who is going to enter that's the thing that's really weird we're about to open up um the contestants registration and we have no idea and like the qualification is that they've never been on a book cover before and it's vegas land of the showboy <laughs> you're right star. right you know, so more and more porn stars are moving to vegas or more porn companies because they're getting away from california's condom law which i actually think they just declared isn't enforceable so right. maybe they'll all come back but i think there's a nevada tax break or something that they get <laughs> the porn tax break i don't know 
So I, it, the doors are going to be wide open for a limited period of time for anyone who wants to to register. And we have these hilarious uh, bloggers who are going to be on stage. My friend Jillian Stein from Read Love Blog and uh, a lot of the bloggers from Book Obsessed Chicks. Like it's going to be uh, it's going to be insane. I don't know if there are plans to video it, but if there are, we will definitely post the video somewhere online. Must. We'll be watching. We'll be wait, wait, yeah. waiting for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my. With hard nips. Oh, only you. Really? Only you. <laughs> <laughs> only you. Jeez. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, what? but I was the cowboy cover for the last Oh, were book. you now? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Oh, did you did you hear the laugh? <laughs> yeah. I should uh, laugh. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. I could have done that book uh -huh. cover. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I had an open I had a pretty open casting call for that too. We did, yeah. <laughs> not open enough. <laughs> not open to Ohio. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you know, I'm going to be out in California in October, so you no, know what? No. Yes. No. Mm -hmm. I was in California, and I I was forbidden to make contact. So no. Yeah, you are still forbidden. Oh, son of a bitch. All right. Yeah, you guys are going to discover I'm like JT Leroy. I don't actually exist. I'm five different actors playing a part of the <laughs> And I've heard all of their voices on the dinner party show. There we go. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. So another question for you. When your top secret project comes out and I start reaching out to you by Twitter again, will you come back? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Fantastic. And will you also not file any kind of restraining order against him? <laughs> no, of course not. It would be bad Excellent. for business. <laughs> See? <laughs> so when I show up at your door, it's only See, because that's I'm crossing sure. The line. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, it's only because I'm visiting one of our other guests who mm. lives in your oh, neighborhood. that's right. Yeah. Suzanne Westenhofer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Suzanne, the comedian. Yes. yes. How cool. She's Excellent. awesome. So I'm not stalking you. I'm visiting her. You have grounds to be in the area. There we go. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Now that we've clarified, yes, because I'm making her wedding bands for her. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that's sweet. Well, not really, because I normally have to bribe all of our guests with jewelry from the line, um, or they don't come on. So uh, um, yeah, yeah. So well, your other guests suck. I came on without any jewelry. Yes, I know. But yes, I but I told you I'd get that to you later. I was just yep. bring, bringing it in person. That's all. Oh, but it was a did. good. It was a good try. Weird. Okay, it is not weird. Oh, <laughs> Awkward. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you guys, this is one of my favorite interviews we've done. I probably let's top my list now. And yeah. he really doesn't say that every time. No, no, oh, I don't. That's good. No, I don't. Yeah, we've been really, really fortunate enough that um, Twitter has kind of exploded for us, and we now have people coming to us, which we've never expected. Um, yeah, that's really great. Yeah, that's it's really a, it's it was a, a shock and a surprise, and we weren't ready for the amount of hate mail that we get on a daily basis. Oh, that's <laughs> what unbelievable oh, hate mail. Yeah. What are they like anti-gay hate yes. mail or just yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My God. But really? they've also had some anti-straight hate mail. Not as nearly as much. No, well, of course yeah. you do. Straight people are horrible. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm a dick. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. I, I, we we didn't really get a lot. I, I guess we got crazy Facebook shit because we interacted with Facebook so much. But but um, 
Ah, I, that, that just makes me sick. Yeah, let's put it this way. I should have been swinging from a tree branch about 80 times oh, by now. If, yeah, if these people have mm. their wishes. And, yeah. and he would even yeah. share any of it with me, and I was ready to go off. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try to protect my co-hosts because they're very <laughs> fragile. Yeah. Well, so. you know, I, I will say this. I, I've gotten hate mail in my life, but it's usually you're a terrible writer or something like that. But it, I think the, th- the secret to not going crazy over it is to catch yourself if you're imagining that it was written by your old high school enemy or bully. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's really to try to get a proper perspective of who is spending all of their time online mm. seeking out <laughs> stuff they hate. Yeah. Yes. Mm. yes. Who is that person? Like, who? how powerful are they really? Like, by, by the way, the answer to that question is Engineer Gill. <laughs> yeah, he is that person. He's the one that's seeking it out and just beating us up. <laughs> and the really best part about that is some of the things that they comment on the most are at the very end of an episode. So they have sat through the entire yep. Yep. episode. Uh-huh. Masturbating. That's, yes. that's, it. <laughs> that's what I do. That's how I get through it. <laughs> and so, then, you know, we were thrilled when we started getting Australian emails and international emails and not ever thinking we were going to get international death threats as well. Well, so <laughs> things have a way of balancing out. <laughs> yeah. So oh speaking God. of end of episodes, guys, I hate to end this, and I know your boner is still raging hard. Why do you keep talking about this? Because it's, it's right there. It's right next oh to me. I can't Lord. look away. It's just if, there. If it was, you would not be sitting this close to me at the table. No, it is, and I am sitting this close to okay, you. Okay, go on with what you were saying. <laughs> While we, in, you know, have it, this is the best interview I've, I've done. Yeah, you know, right? You guys are awesome. No, you're. Th- well, he doesn't do a lot of good interviews. So let's. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't talking. About, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about my performance here. Our last interview was third guy from the left. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But no, in, in all sincerity, this has meant an enormous amount to me. Um, I have spent countless, countless hours with you alone between hard covers. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. And to actually sit down and speak to you and have you come on our little show has meant more than you will probably ever know. You are so kind, and I'm so glad I could do it, and I'm so glad that you only sent me two or three dead animals and shoot <laughs> Yes, yes. Once I cross over three, then you can get the cease and desist. Absolutely. And I'm re- saving them so that we have a count. And remember, <laughs> when I'm at your door, it's because of Suzanne Westenhofer. Because <laughs> she's... She's yes. hiding under my sofa. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but seriously, thank you, yes, thank you, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. This has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, my dear. Thank you. You all have been lovely. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we're looking forward to your return. Yes. Absolutely. All I'll right. come back anytime. So where can where can everybody else find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Rice Writer, all one word, no underscores or anything. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Christopher period Rice period Writer. Excellent. Well, make sure you titty tats go out there and hit up and like and love. Oh, and- 
Check Ooh. out thedinnerpartyshow.com and ChristopherRiceBooks.com. I forgot the actual website. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Is there any more that you forgot? Hmm. No. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. My house? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Thomas'sHouse.com is a live webcam feed. <laughs> Thomas'sTrunk.com is a dead webcam. With a ball gag in my mouth. Oh, you should be so lucky. <laughs> well, Christopher, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, One more time. You. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day and your busy schedule to come and talk with us here at the Tip for Tat Show. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It was great. Absolutely love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And I'll be reading. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I would seek medical attention immediately. O-M-G. Mother, father. O-M-R. O-M-R. You're right. Yeah. Right. So, I have a question for you, Thomas. Yes. Was everything better on rice? I think everything will always be better on there rice. There we go. Right? Yes. What yeah. a phenomenal, fascinating interview that yes. was. Yeah. He yeah. is yeah. great. I love him. We, you know, we love all of our guests, but I got to tell you, he's, he's one of the best so far. Yeah. Would my dream guest have been any less? Well... <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is I've got half a chub. Oh, my God. Back to the erection here. What's yeah. going on? It's an obsession. Yeah. I don't know. I, I go to the gym personally, and I to talk. To look at people's chubs. Yeah I, yeah, I talk about, you know, banging guys in the ass. That's what I do what when I go to the gym. What the hell is going on didn't, right now? Didn't Christopher Rice say that he straight guys come up to him in the gym, and they're fascinated by anal sex, like man-on-man anal sex? I believe he said... People come up to me in the gym and love to talk about anal sex. They did not, he did not say, Kenny likes to get banged in the ass. I didn't say about <laughs> me getting banged in the ass about anything, son. <laughs> I just am so happy um, Gil loved that. <laughs> when Gil, you can make the engineers laugh, right? you're right, going down right, the right, right road. Engineer Chris is getting a good chuck out of this, too. Yeah, so. I know, I know. So, you know why everybody thinks it's funny to, to visualize Kenny getting banged in the ass? Oh, God. My okay, eyes, everybody my except eyes. Kenny thinks it's funny <laughs> for you guys to visualize wow. right. so, so, now, so now that we have fulfilled Mr. Thomas's stop you're, let, let me stop you short uh oh fulfilled in a podcast sense oh okay yeah Oh, we you had to clarify that right. Let's didn't you? clarify that right now. Okay, fulfilled fulfilled this this little dream here in podcast land. Truly, that you got to interview Mr. Christopher Rice. Well, you know you're a reader as well. I am. As I am. Yeah, absolutely. When you spend so many hours, mm-hmm. which is why I asked that question, basically in somebody's mind who created this whole fictional world and mm-hmm. these people in it, you feel a bond. Sure, and I think that's what kind of led me down this road and then the fact that he was a gay author mm-hmm. um and you could go on and on and on yep and it just it it was amazing correct yes yeah absolutely yes. so i uh miss mr straight producer kenny yes well guess what you're gonna get bombarded with my my, my i know here it comes elvira so let's That's just put right. it out there you could be saving me a world of heartache if you just <laughs> contact us. 
and get this over with. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, darling, that is who I want to interview. That is next. We, get, we miss, gotta have her. We gotta have her. Yeah, Miss Verandal yeah. and I, may I give you a word of warning? What? You are going to be banging your lovely, wigged head against the wall in frustration. Oh. Waiting for Mr. Straight Producer Kenny to get you, Elvira. You need to step up and get her yourself. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Leave me out of it. Oh, see, see? wow, <laughs> backpedaling. Wow. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, since I've had some success in this arena, mm-hmm. I would be happy to help make your dream come true. Which Aww. is getting Yola Tango to perform in and you know what? studio. And you know what? We can easily make Kenny's dream guest come true and pay a stripper 20 bucks to show up in the studio. Yep, that'll right? do it. That'll do it. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even and, need to and talk. And even, even Engineer Gill's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, she won't even yeah. need to talk. She probably can't. <laughs> so let's save some time. Ah, so yeah. there'll, be, there'll be a visual show going on for the boys, and we'll be interviewing Elvira. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I, I'm down for that. Yes, absolutely. I don't need no stripper. <laughs> no. Oh, oh my dear darling. Notice, notice how anyway. sil- silent he's become. All right. Anyway, anyway, uh, I think we have wrapped up an epic episode yes. of the Tip for Tat show. Yes. And until we meet again, it is time to say goodbye. Mm. Say goodbye. <laughs> say mm. goodbye, Veranda. Mm. Goodbye, Veranda. Say goodbye, Kenny. Bye, dickholes. And until then, this is Thomas. Have a wonderful evening in podcast land. Tip, tap, tap, tip, 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 tip.